Thanks, Matt. It's good to be bathed in music. I feel like I had a wash this morning. I did have a wash this morning, by the way, but... Uh, um, it's an all-age service today, so I want the children to join in. So, um, just looking around. Okay, well, let's all join in. Um, why don't you just close your eyes for a moment? Maybe you closed your eyes earlier as Matt was playing, but... I just want you to imagine what you would do when you heard this. What would somebody do? What would you do when you heard that noise? Jump up and go where? To the front door, probably, yeah? And maybe you've got a doorbell, so it might be something else. But when there's a knock on the door, people look up, don't they? I mean, maybe even when I knocked on the piano there, some of you looked up to say, what's that noise? You know, when there's a knock on the door, what is that knock telling us? Somebody's there. Somebody wants to get through the door. Somebody wants to give you something. Somebody wants to share something with you. And uh, that's what I want to do this morning. I want to knock. And so I'm going to start with a story that we probably all know very well. It's in Matthew chapter 24 beginning at verse 36. Let me read the whole story uh, as as Jesus tells it, um, and then I'll unpack it. But of that day and of that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, and so also will be coming the Son of Man to be, for as is the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And did not until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be coming the Son of Man. Then two men will be in a field, one will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding the mill, one will be taken, the other will be left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what the hour your Lord is coming. But you know this, that if the master of the house had known that the hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Are we ready? Are we ready for the knock on the door? Are we ready for the fact that Jesus is coming back? Jesus, Son of God, born to a virgin, born on this earth, went to a cross, paid a price for you and me on that cross at Calvary, died and rose again, but promised, as he went to the Father's house, he promised he would return. And we don't know when that is. That scripture so clearly says, well, we don't know. And even as Noah heard from God and built an ark, we need to be telling people. Noah went out and he told people, he said, hey, there's a flood coming. I'm building a boat. God's told me to build a boat. People laughed at him. Huh, I don't see any rain. What's the problem? I don't know whether we, you know, you hear weather forecasts telling us that it's going to be windy today. I wonder how many people buttoned buttoned down everything in the garden. Or whether we thought, well, they always tell us it's going to be windy and most of the time they're not right. Well, they told us and it's windy. And there's been some effects. But I'm really almost wanting to encourage us to think, okay, the Lord is coming. Are we ready? Are we ready? Now, if you were at home and you had some people coming around for dinner, you would, you would get ready, wouldn't you? What might you do? 
Tidy up. Have a bit of a tidy up. Yep. Okay. Thank you for your honesty, Philippa. Bit of a tidy up. Yes. Get, get some food. Yeah. Put it in the oven, probably, unless you're doing salad. Um, I did have a friend who came round one day. I'll tell you this story because it makes me smile still even now. Um, a, a friend of mine who wasn't that well at the time. And uh, I got home and I went through the front door and Julia stood and pointed behind the door and said, someone's come to visit. And, and uh, this friend was hiding behind the door and they, they'd come to visit and they'd come to cook us dinner. And so she turned up, she said, I've come to cook you dinner. And so Julia let her in and uh, she left her in the kitchen cooking some dinner until she smelt some burning smells. And there was lettuce going under the grill. Um, it was an interesting meal, I can assure you. But we prepare food for people. We hopefully we prepare nice food for people. We think about having a bit of a tidy up, maybe a bit of a hoover around. We prepare ourselves too. Maybe make ourselves a little smarter. Get in front of the mirror and do our hair. Well, I don't need to. I can do it really quickly. Um, but we, we do. We get ready. And especially if it's somebody special. Maybe if it's, if it's a niece or a nephew or a goddaughter or boyfriend or girlfriend, husband or wife. You know, and you're wanting to welcome them back on a special day. Maybe you put a special meal on. You'd make sure you were looking smart. And you know, Are we ready for Jesus to return? Because this is not just talking about the state of our house. It's talking about the state of our hearts. Are our hearts ready for Jesus to return? Are our hearts in a good place? Just imagine this friend that you've invited round for dinner comes to knock on the door and just before they knock on the door, you said seven o'clock and it's three minutes to seven, the phone rings. And somebody who you haven't spoken to for a long time rings up and gets very angry with you and you're starting to get a bit angry with them down the phone and then the front doorbell rings. How are you going to greet this person who's at your front door? You're probably still going to have something of your heart discussion on the phone impacting the way you, hello, how are you? You know, and uh, I just want to say, are our hearts ready? Are our hearts ready? Because we do not know the hour. We do not know the time. And just as Noah said, the rain is coming. Just as he built a boat as faithful to God. Church, I want to say, look, we need to be telling people there is an hour coming when Jesus will return. And when he returns, he returns for his people. And he wants, to, he wa- he wants as many as possible to go to be with him in paradise to be with him in heaven. But that requires that we know him. And then not only know him, we've proclaimed him as Lord of our lives. We've put him in his rightful place as king, as teacher, as saviour. Are we ready for him to return? In Luke chapter 19... Verses 1 to 5. Um, Zacchaeus, this is the story of Zacchaeus. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that. And when Jesus came to his place and looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down. For today, I must stay at your house. Zacchaeus wanted to see this Jesus. And I am sure there are people who hear you and I talking about Jesus and say, I want to know this chap a bit better. Tell me some more. 
But at some moment, they're going to come to a place when they see Jesus for themselves, and Jesus sees them. And Zacchaeus was there to go and see this great man, Jesus, and he couldn't see, so he climbed a tree. I wonder whether he tidied his house before he went out. I wonder whether everything was in order, because all he wanted to do was to see Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, Jesus saw him. And when Jesus saw him, Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today. Let me just ask you this question. If possibly this morning, Jesus walked into this room and said, Ah, whatever your name is, I see you. I'm coming to your house today. I wonder how many of us might go, "Um, um, Could you go the long way? (laughs) Just to get me time to tidy up? Um, Actually, do you mind if I go and get my hair cut first? I'm, I'm not really in a good... Or maybe I need to put some makeup on. Jesus did not come for a made-up face. Jesus did not come up for a smart suit. He came for you as you are. And you know, we will never be ready in reality. We will never be completely, or we won't think we're ready. We, We will always want to go, just one more moment, just one more moment, just one more moment. But Jesus is coming, and he's coming for you and for me. And so, you know, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus saw him, He saw Zacchaeus. Jesus sees us. He sees you and he sees me. He sees those people listening online. He sees people who've never actually found him. But he sees them. And when we see him, he acknowledges it and says, yeah, I'm there for you. I died for you. I died for all these other people, but I died for you. I died for you. I paid the price on the cross at Calvary for you. Do you know it? Have you learnt it? Have you experienced it? We know this scripture so well. I nearly put this down as the memory verse for this one, but I thought we all know it. John 3, 16. For God, that he gave his one. For God so loved. Not he loved, he so loved. That means, I mean, it was very intentional. You, you can say, I love something, but when you so love something, it's very intentional. It's very, it's directed love. It's towards someone. God so loved the, that he gave his one. There is only one son of God. And his truly beautiful son, born of a virgin, fulfilling prophecy. He already decided he was coming before he needed to come. He already decided. There was no, you know, Jesus is, Jesus is not God's plan B. I think Simon talked about that a bit last week. He said, Jesus is not God's plan B. Jesus was God's plan A all the way. All the way. From the beginning, he created. He knew that man was going to mess up. And he paid the price. And he sent his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not should not die to an eternal death without God, but should live. And through all the world might through him be saved. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. Anybody ever owns a never-ending gobstopper? Anybody? You know, they're about this big. They're bigger than a golf ball, and I don't know how you get them in your mouth. I've, I've never eaten one. I've owned one, and I lost it. 
uh, when I was about, I think when I was 10 or 11, somebody gave me one. I didn't know what to do with it, so I put it on the shelf, and I, to this day, I don't know where it's gone. But I don't know how you get them in, first of all. Um, you know, because if you've got a little mouth as a child, how do you get this kind of thing in your mouth? But here's the thing. It says it's a never-ending gobstopper. Well, it certainly stops us talking. But here's the reality. If you can get it in, it does end at some point. So it's not an eternal gobstopper. But God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. And what does John tell us about this? He tells us what is life about. God God comes and sends his son because he wants to bring light into our dark world. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and maybe you need to go to the little room and you're kind of trying to find your way and it's dark and you stub your toe on something that you didn't realise was there because you can't see? What's the answer? Turn the light on. When we live in a dark world, what's the answer? Turn the light on. And the light comes through us, but ultimately it comes from Jesus. And he is the father. God God is the father of lights. He is the author of light, and he brings light. And we will find that we will bring light into situations and circumstances. And in John 10.10, the second part of this verse, it says, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Not just life, we're all alive. I I can tell you you're all alive because I can see you all moving. I can see, you know, people scratching and people kind of smiling and nodding. So I know you're alive. How can I know you're alive? Because I can see some of you breathing. So I know you're alive. But that's not abundant life. Abundant life is so much more. God has more for us. Whatever life we think we have, God has more for us. And so, church, I want to encourage us God sent his one and only son that we might have light and life and hope and purpose and a faith that there is an eternal God who loves you and me and paid that price on the cross at Calvary. He went to the cross for me and for you that we might know who Jesus is. And that's a gift that we need to tell other people about. It's a gift that we need to tell other people about. Um, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine it's your birthday. And somebody comes and they've been telling you they've got this, they, they, they found this wonderful gift for you. They found this wonderful, they've been telling you about it for months, but you can't have it till your birthday. I found it online. I really thought of you when I got this gift. And then on your birthday, they turn up with this box and it's beautifully wrapped. And they turn up with this box and they say, this is for you. And you go, oh, thank you. And you take the box and you put it on the shelf and you leave it there. And you think it's so beautifully wrapped, I don't want to spoil the wrapping. And it's such a special gift, I don't want to open it yet. I'll wait till later. Manana, as somebody might say. And then maybe a week later, it's still there on the shelf. And then maybe at your next birthday, it's now gathering dust on the shelf. People would think you were crazy. People would think you were crazy. And yet, the gift that is Jesus, we so regularly do not unwrap. We do not understand the fullness of who Christ is. We don't allow the fullness of the Holy Spirit to speak to us and through us. And so, we don't tell other people about it. Again, if I'd had this present on the shelf that hadn't been unwrapped for two years, and now I'm telling you, hey, I've got this amazing gift. 
I've got this amazing gift. It's in a box. I've never looked at it. I don't even know what it looks like, but I've got this amazing gift. People would start to think you're a bit crazy. You know, the, the gift of Christ is to be used. It's to be declared, is to be proclaimed, is to be shared. Now, if you want a Jesus, he's going to be a well-worn Jesus. He's going to be a well-used Jesus. In John 12, 46, it says this. I have come as a light into the world that whosoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Should not abide. Abide means to live in darkness. Now, we all have to go through dark times. Dark times happen from time to time. Jesus did not promise it's all going to be lights on. It's all going to be warm. It's all going to be dry. It's all going to be... Actually, there are storms, as Philippa encouraged us as we started our service this morning. There are storms, but they will pass. There is darkness, but we will get through it. There is a desert that we will travel through, but there is, there is a destination. There is a place for you and for me. And as Christ went to the cross at Calvary, he went for you and for me. And he loves you and me. So much, so precious. And we need to tell people about it. So number one, please, if you've got that gift, when was the last time you unwrapped Jesus? I know we talked about this at Christmas, but I'm reminding again here in February as we head towards celebrating love around Valentine's Day. Let's celebrate the love of Christ. Let's celebrate the light of Christ. Let's celebrate the life of Christ. And let's be a reflection of the gift that is Jesus. Share it with others and see what happens. Darren prayed a beautiful prayer there when he said, seeds will be sown. Seeds will be sown. It's not our job to keep on coming back and looking at seeds. If you ever, as a child, were given some seeds, maybe crest seeds at school, take these, plant them in a little pot and take them home and look after them. And you take them home and every day you come down and you look on the windowsill and there's nothing happening, there's nothing happening and there's nothing happening. And sometimes maybe you didn't water them properly so they didn't grow. But they're still seeds and they're still in the ground. The purpose of the seed is to grow. And in the right conditions it will. So if we sow seeds, some of those seeds will stay dormant for a while. And then one day the right season will come, the right rain will come, the right sunshine will come and suddenly... It will blossom. If you've got a garden, walk around the garden and think about how many of those things in that garden you planted. Because there's quite a few things that are probably sprouting in your garden, like my garden. I'm not a gardener either, but things that are sprouting in the garden that Julia and I did not plant. A bird ate some berries, did its thing, and that seed has now been planted again and it's growing. You know... We are not responsible for watching the seed. So please don't get like a little child from school. Is it, is it growing yet? Is it growing yet? Just sow the seed and move on. God is, the, God, God is the author and perfecter of our faith. He waters the seed. And our job is to harvest it when the harvest comes. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much. The Lord, you have given us gifts. But the gift above all, was Jesus Christ, your Son, our Saviour. And what gets in the way between us and you, Lord? It's sin. It's doing things that do not glorify you, that do not, are not in line with your plans and your ways.
And so, Father, help us to be a people who walk your way. Help us to be a people who witness and dis- uh, uh, witness about you. We tell people about you and about the gift that is Jesus. And help us, Lord, to do it with light and with life and with hope and with purpose as we sow that seed in Jesus' name.